The problem is entrepreneurs comes in the business here and they hear freedom. They hear all the things that you get much later on Mm -hmm. and they skip all the steps and they try to start acting like they're here. They're they're here, but they're still in the surviving stage. Welcome to the Disruptance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric Forney and Michael Bounds. Mike, every week on the show, we aim to disrupt the way real estate agents and entrepreneurs think about business and life. And today I want to disrupt the way you think about being an entrepreneur company versus a corporate culture. And we've talked about this now for the last uh, three episodes. Um, and so I want to, I want to wrap up those, uh, items 10 through 12 and talking about some of the key differences. And the, and we're looking at this from the framework of what's it like to be, um, a member of a company, um, whether that's a leader, whether that's a, um, employee or, or, you know, a partner, what's it, what's a difference in someone's company when you're in an entrepreneurial company where you're trying to run fast and break shit versus when you're, um, in a more structured and vertically oriented org chart of a corporate culture. And so, um, what's the first one that we're going to kick off here? I believe it'd be commandment 10. Commandment 10 is something you guys probably have a little bit of experience with, especially in this whole real estate market we're in. Learn how to handle strong emotions, have confidence and stay calm when dealing with emotionally charged situations. These are a normal part of an entrepreneurial life. So you guys probably deal with some emotional people at the time. (laughs) And you get emotional. Like it's, uh, I always have to constantly remind myself that I'm really super blessed and nobody died at work today. Yeah. It's just to keep everything in the perspective. Like, you know, stuff falls apart, you know, things happen. And at the end of the day, just being clear about that um, helps. I remember I was really, I was really upset. I was really upset and I was like going through it when I was building my team. And so I was really upset and I turned on, I turned on my television and it, I just had a moment of clarity that I have a television to turn on. Like just to know that we're so blessed and um, that keeps me grounded because I tell you what, if you don't, if, if you don't have that, there are ups and downs and uh, that's the thing what gets most people. Um, to be honest with you, it's that over time, the ups and downs, the ebbs and flow of being an entrepreneur, it's, it's taxing. You know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had a kind of a special, um, podcast where, um, Adam Hergenrother was talking about the concept that business is a conduit for personal growth, right? And, and I've heard that, uh, oh gosh, I don't totally. know how many times now, totally. but when I, when I think it took me a while to fully understand what that means. And this is a perfect commandment for understanding the concept that business is a conduit for your personal growth. And that if you're someone who emotionally reacts rather than methodically responds, business is going to give you a lot of things to react to. Yes. A lot of things you can improve and grow on. And so if you um, want to learn how to uh, how to grow as a person, being an entrepreneur is a fantastic way to do that. It's like being a parent, but for adults and uh, the public and and employees and, and leaders, because um, it is 
it is there there are no shortage of emotions and there are no shortage of things that don't go the way that you expect them to yeah which means uh your emotions are heightened oftentimes over and over and and largely that's because when we think about what is an entrepreneur it's oftentimes someone who has this vision of what a better future for themselves or for an industry or for others around them could look like if they could seize the opportunity. Oftentimes an entrepreneur though is is evolving through these like stages of life, right? You, uh, We all start a business to survive because mm-hmm. we believe the opportunity is great enough that we'll, we'll um, get out of the need to continue to provide to survive. Yeah. And we want to obtain status, right? You want to you want to make money so you can buy cool stuff, mm-hmm. um, and and then you have to move into this phase. Hopefully, if you survive entrepreneurship long enough, where you move into having um, where you where you want to actually start to move into making things have like purpose, right? Like, are you contributing? Are you giving back? Are you um, serving the public? Are you serving people around you? And then hopefully your business is alive long enough for you then to build legacy. Like, will you actually contribute big enough in a way that your business and your purpose, your mission lives longer than you? But most people never get out of the survive stage of entrepreneurship. And that's where the emotions come from the most because that survival is just gripping the wheel and trying to hang on to to make it to the next phase. Do you want to know? Okay, you're absolutely right. So there's 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 all these different phases of running a business or while of your growth in the business. The problem is entrepreneurs comes in the business here and they hear freedom. They hear all the things that you get much later on Mm -hmm. and they skip all the steps and they try to start acting like they're here. They're, They're here, but they're still in the surviving stage. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? So. And that causes stress and that causes anxiety. And you have to, to be honest with you, I have never had my teeth kicked in more than being an entrepreneur. It was the hardest. But once you get the systems and you get you get it um, and you grow past that, um, hopefully, I don't know. You know, like what's crazy, though, is that um, how little control we have in all of it. Yeah. You know, and the best example to me was that there were some really great restaurants that had fantastic food. Mm -hmm. They were well-run businesses. They had amazing reviews. They had a loyal customer base. They had the wrong time in the wrong environment, right? And all of that was out of their control. It was if if in-person dining was shut down and you were a diner with world-class food and you were, were dining in person only, and uh and there's a pandemic going on you're going to feel some real strong emotions all of which were out of that um, entrepreneur's control and i think that's one of the things that we never give enough credit to and and oftentimes as entrepreneurs we blame ourselves for having to be in that survivor mode for way too long uh, is because sometimes a lot of the things that happen to you in business are out of your control. Sometimes you didn't plan well and you didn't hire well and you didn't save enough money and you yep. didn't follow a model. Yep. But there are some fantastic entrepreneurs who got punched in the face by life. Think about what we just, our last podcast. Our last podcast was 
about being able to pivot and grow. Yeah. So this is another example of it. There's yeah. a lot of restaurants that they're right. They died. And there's others that started delivering. They did stuff with Uber Eats and 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 so they were able to then say, OK, I mean, there was one that was selling they're selling hand sanitizer. Like, yeah, instead right. of make yeah. it distilling beer. So that as an entrepreneur, that is the business that you have to build. One that is able to win a pandemic or you only can you can only control what you can control. Hey Mike, this was the you know, I still am just baffled by how people in our industry of real estate struggled and still struggle to see the reality of what um, the, the pandemic did for us and to us as an yeah. industry. And by that, I mean the amount of physically based services and the amount of physically based um, activities that go on in real estate pre-pandemic, during pandemic, and today is mind-blowing to me. One, they don't scale financially. Mm -hmm. um, two, they don't scale certainly with inflation. They hardly were scaling pre-inflation era, but they definitely won't um, in a inflation era, they won't scale in a technology deflating situation. Um, and they aren't necessarily even a good business practice. When you think about having a business that is based with people, mm -hmm. people are oftentimes artists, they're creative, they're per they have personalities, they have life events happen. If you can scale something digitally, yeah. you have a business far um, more insulated and a moat built around it when you're building it on systems and technology than you are when you're building it on physically based services and people. Yeah. And there are people in our industry now who are still trying to scale these massive physically based businesses with minor digital enhancements. And it blows my mind. And, and we're seeing this like war between digitally based and physically based real estate businesses. And I'm not sure that a lot of people know the tsunami that's coming when we think about what digitally based and physically enhanced looks like. Um, but there are a lot of people who are unwilling to face that disruption. Well, um, <laughs> you have to figure it out. So yeah. it's coming. I mean, either either we can hold on or it'll take over. So yeah. whatever that is. So that is, it's fascinating <laughs> thinking about the, uh, the survival piece of the entrepreneurship life cycle. I'm curious, like when you guys, did you guys have a noticeable moment when you were like, okay, I'm past survival. Now I'm into this like operations, building something for other people stage of your business from a freelancer point of view. We, um, I feel like it, it's always like a, uh, it, it takes almost more of a mindset shift than, than anything because I look back in our business in just the last couple of months and we've had over, I think it was like 25 different clients in the last two months. And then that I'm like, that's not sustainable. That's not scalable unless I start bringing in other creatives and everything else. But then I was thinking, how do you narrow down to focus then and create more digital products for fewer people so that you can scale something like that? And then get out of this survival mode of always saying, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah I can do that. Yeah. I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. And then you realize, shit, I haven't had any time. Yeah. 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 Was there a moment where you guys kind of like, was that like a, did it happen consciously? Yeah, or I'll, was tell you, it? I'll tell you, for me, I noticed it even this morning. Um, 
I looked at my phone and I realized that I had three clients who would text me with questions about their, their properties or about real estate that we're working with them on. And I thought, man, you're, you're screwing these people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're not actually giving them the service that they are expected by me being involved, right? Like I have a skills, I have skill set. However, my skill set is one in which I don't necessarily need to be involved in the transaction and the middle person of any communication anymore. Yeah. And so because I could, because I have a, a level of like personal responsibility where I realize I'm, I could, um, yes, I'll, I'll take care of those three clients and make sure everything's handled. However, I probably don't need to be involved in the next three or right. have anything right. to do with the next three because the product that I'm going to deliver them is not what I expect and what they expect either. They would be way better off to work with someone in close proximity to me where I can actually, and then if there's a challenge, I can bring my skill set in. Right. Right. Like there's not a real estate transaction or situation at this point that I don't think I can work through. And that becomes the the difference maker for me. But it isn't the ability to have communication because my calendar doesn't have any availability for communication as far as like transactional related. Right. What it is, is being an entrepreneur is literally a series of firing yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So what happens is you are everybody. And then. Yeah. And then you have this, I call it anxiety. He calls it disturbance. I don't want to do that. So guess what? You delegate it. And so the more you do that, you'll find something crazy happen. More people get helped and they love and you and they love it way more because of that. Like I remember I was an I was at I was at, at Pulte Homes. Actually, I had left Pulte and I went to Ryan Homes. And the thought of writing a purchase agreement made my stomach hurt. I needed out of the business. I needed out of it because that there's no way of hiding that when I'm working with my client. So I, I quit. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? When your stomach hurts, delegate it. You know, it's, um, it's interesting. I've thought oftentimes about just letting my license lapse altogether <laughs> because what yeah. I know is like, if I don't like there, if I don't put like a guardrail up on myself, yeah, I might still say yes to it. Yeah. And am I actually like serving someone in the same way that I could, if I was, if I was advising them and consulting other people who could handle the daily um, portion of it that's needed, I could probably give a lot more effective um, service, you know, it, it, think about it, how foolish this would be if we, if we saw this happen in professional sports yeah. where all of a sudden, you know, rather than being a, a GM or an owner, Michael Jordan says, you know, I'm, today I'm going to suit up. I'm going to decide to yeah. come out of the clubhouse and I'm going <laughs> to go ahead and start in the second half because y'all sucked. Yeah. <laughs> and don't think he hasn't thought about of it. Course, of He's course. He's Michael Jordan, right? Yeah. <laughs> yep. And so that's what we do as entrepreneurs is we get in there and our flabby and we go out there and we try to play. <laughs> yeah. And we suck because we're out of the game. So anyway. And we also rob somebody of that growth. Yeah. Right. We rob the person of yeah. their own growth yeah. to have to struggle through it. 
but you know, <laughs> it's tough. Fly, I remember, my, I remember <laughs> Tyler, I think I've shared this story before. I don't know if I've shared it on the podcast, but I remember I made, I made good money, um, eventually in real estate. And, um, it was, it was more than I made selling paint by, by a significant amount, by and a comma, by, by, <laughs> by a significant amount. And, um, and I was used to living on, um, a very moderate income and I didn't know if I got lucky or not because, you know, I went from making, you know, I shared my last paycheck. I went from making $39,000 a year to a lot more than that. And I didn't know if I got lucky or not. Like, I didn't know, could I go back out and do that all yeah. over again? Yeah. Or did I just have one really good year? Yeah. And so I went in and I audited 20 years of real estate sales in our board. I looked at the top 100 and um, in the market from a sales results every single year to see what patterns could I find. Do the same names show up in the top 100 for the last 20 years? And other than like, oh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, where you saw like, you know, I remember seeing a name like Nancy Alley. And I'm like, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> was one of the top agents in the in the board at the time. And so, all right, fine. I'm going to pull her number and figure out what it, what was it in 08, 09, and 10 that she did well that made that name show up in the top 50 because I didn't see her before or after. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was foreclosure related, of course, at the time. But um, what I found was those that weren't working foreclosures, those that were serving consumers, we're pretty much the same top agents 15 years ago that are the same top agents today. Yeah. And so if I just keep doing more of what I'm doing well right now that got me to this position, as long as I stay focused on doing the right things and serving people, I probably could let out of that survival mode and realize that as long as I um, don't deviate from the center line of serving people, I should be okay. Yeah. I'll tell you one, one more about this because this is my jam i'm getting better at this <laughs> is when i took the role as team leader at keller williams um indy metro west um i was a, a an agent and so um i had time blocked to do a certain activity that made my stomach hurt um which was making phone calls and i did that three hours every day and one thing that I was able to do was, okay, if I want to take this role, I've got to let that go. And I can't work with buyers anymore. I have, to, I can't work with them anymore. Up until that moment, I worked with buyers. And so by me taking that position, it was the guardrail that I needed to say, look, you can't do it anymore because you don't have time. And so it allowed me to let my team grow. At some point, you are stunting your growth, your team's growth, because there's only seven hours a day and 24 or 24 hours in a day and seven days in a week. So you learn to grow by multiplying yourself. And saying no. Saying no. Yeah. Or if you can't say no, because... Uh, that's something that the three of us in here, we would need Kate probably to say no for the three of us, right? (laughs) So, so because the three of us are not world-class at no, there, there, there needs to be boundaries sometimes. Like, and by that, I mean, artificial, really clear black and white boundaries. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, that, that's something that I'm getting better at, but 
I got a long way to go still in getting mm-hmm. a world class at boundaries. You just yeah. have to be aware that they exist. Like I don't think that I even knew anything about. Ba- I mean, with technology, with Facebook, with text messages, there are no boundaries yeah. anymore. Yeah, you just have to. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's jump ahead to success strategy number eleven: have patience and compassion. Look at the situation from the other person's point of view. Recognize that it takes time to change habits. And this to me is goes right back to the one th- one of the things that we talked about, the idea that biz- you know, business is this amazing opportunity for personal growth. How many, how many of us assume that we know why someone is acting a certain way? That when um, when someone responds or reacts, we we're so quick as people to label them mm-hmm. or to label the action, um, to call them emotional, to call them anxious, to, to label crazy, um, or Some ungrateful or all of the things that we, um, choose to label emotions and others. And the reality is, is when you do that in business, yeah. it will wear you down mm-hmm. because it shapes the way you feel about other people. And, you know, I see it big time in our industry right now, right now, I call it the, the, the great realtor on realtor, um, crime event of our lives right now, because the amount of garbage that is thrown at real estate agents in the market by real estate agents yeah. is at an all time high. The conspiracy theories that I see written on social media and and strewn about in the offices is absolutely and utterly unacceptable because what we've done is we believe that because, Mike, you didn't accept my offer that was so well written while there were 50 others, you must have done something nefarious. You don't like me. You don't like my client. There was some bias in some way or um, another. And what it does is it creates these stories. It puts these labels of emotion onto someone else's action that we have no idea anything about. And so what I've started to challenge my team on, because it drives me bananas when people get like say things about other agents. Yeah. Because they're people. Yeah. And what I know is, is that nobody fits in a box. Yeah. And just because you put a real estate agent hat on today doesn't mean that you fit in a box. And so if I hear in our organization, somebody say like, oh, that, that agent, crazy, emotional, erratic, unprofessional, all those things, immediately a correction comes in that goes, no, that person's broken. They don't know the same things that we know. They don't have the same experience level. They don't have the same systems. They don't have the same training. They don't have the same model. And so if anything, they're broken because their experience and of their own current reality is different than yours. All this is, is a, it's, it's a mindset. And so it's funny because I've talked to a lot of agents. And um, so, it, it, okay, so it depends on who I'm, the constituent, who I'm talking to. So when it comes to like agents, one, kind of my superpower is I've been a very bad agent. And so by me having experienced the mindset of a terrible agent, I'm able to empathize with terrible agents and not in a, I mean, they don't know. They just don't know. I mean, it's, I say terrible. That's a horrible word to use less, you know, you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Yeah. (laughs) So we're on YouTube world. I want y'all to know what I'm saying. So what I'm saying is I've been a, a bad agent. And so what I'm able to do is I'm able to empathize with someone who hasn't had a mindset shift. 
and be able to think, okay, you're coming at this from the wrong perspective. Have you thought about changing your paradigm? This, have you thought about it coming from this perspective? And then like that clear that they just, oh, so it's just by being able to understand, okay, like I I was talking to a guy and he was, uh, I was talking to uh, an agent um, and she was talking about retiring and she had been in the the business for, uh, you know, 20 years um, but she was still very actively t- taking buyers, like very take, you know, working. And I said, have you have you thought about your succession strategy? How, have you thought about like how are you going to keep this thing going after 10 years from now? And th- how this is still is going to still be uh, providing a lifestyle for you and you don't have to go out and work with buyers. Is somebody partnering with you in order to sh- make sure that that happens? Do you have a strategy and a game plan? No, I got the appointment. Because I was able to understand where she was on the trajectory and empathize with her and then have a custom conversation around what it is that she needs in order to to grow her business. When I'm working with my clients, if I'm working with my clients, the number one thing that I see the trend is they freak out. So during the process, if something blows it up, it's because they freak out. So the best way to stop that is that I, I, and the only reason why I was able to know that they're freaking out, because I freak out. I was able to empathize with them and say, you're freaking out. So my you job- said something key though, is that <laughs> you were willing to see yourself in someone else. Yeah, that's the only that's the way I roll. And so, most people struggle. I shouldn't say most. There are a lot of people who struggle with the idea of understanding that we have to be willing to see the perspective of someone else as though we were that person. Yeah. In order to have compassion, right? We have to understand that if we saw the entire world as ourselves, we would have compassion for everyone. And that's the limitless hack to handling business and people is that everyone is us. Everyone. Just different stages of your career. So literally when I'm talking to someone, I'm literally seeing myself at that stage of the career. And then I understand what it got me to get to that next stage. And so I'm able to have that conversation with people. And they're like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) You know, I, I, I think that the least stressful thing that I do is work with the consumer. Uh, it is oftentimes more stressful and challenging <laughs> to work with people inside of an organization um, and to lead people internally than it is to lead the consumer. Yeah, And I say that because the reason I got into real estate was because three days before closing, when I was a seller, I was a broke 25-year-old and I had uh, had this vision of making money, flipping houses. And, uh, and so it was 2009, I bought a house to flip. A uh, great year to have a house flop, but um, three days before closing, I put I put all my money and time into it, and a buyer walked away. I moved everything I owned into a pod in the driveway, and I thought I was going to cash a paycheck and get my money back and move on to the next one. And three days prior, the deal fell through, and I remember how I felt, and um, mm-hmm. and 
And so anytime someone acts, and then it happened to me again, but it, so then I really remember how it felt twice. Right. And um, anytime I have a consumer that acts that way, I felt like a hostage. You know, I felt like my life, my future was held hostage by some person who made a commitment to me and then bailed out on that commitment. And therefore I couldn't move my life forward to what was next because of that. And so I probably was pretty erratic. I don't, I don't know if I was externally, but I sure as hell was internally. Yeah. And so it's really easy for me to see myself in every, in the consumer when they feel like real estate holds their life hostage because I felt that way. Yeah. Yeah. And that is your, and your ability to kind of like use that fuel. But then once you've experienced it, right, you've experienced that once and you thought that that was the worst thing that could have happened, right? You were like freaking out. Then you overcome it. Mm -hmm. What that emboldens you. Once you have gone to the brink, you put your chips yeah. in, you got a pot in there and you survive that. Yeah. I ain't going but, back though. I know that you don't have to, but, <laughs> yeah. but what I'm saying is when nothing, nothing can be worse than how you felt at that moment. So then, so when you're able to do something and overcome it, that builds on that confidence that you were able yeah. to, to, to do that. Yeah, build self-trust, right? It yeah. builds you you're you're making deposits with yourself about what you're willing to overcome. You know, David Goggins talks about it as the cookie jar, right? It's like you take all the shit you've overcome in life and you write it down and you fold it up and you put it in the cookie jar. And whenever whenever you have in one of those uh, woe is me poopy pants days, you reach into the cookie jar and realize, "Oh yeah, I am a badass. Mm-hmm. I did do that." And yeah. I did actually overcome that already. I did face that and deal with it. And and here I am now. So I actually can handle whatever it is that um, is the obstacle I'm facing right now. This really transitions perfectly into success strategy 12. Don't give up. Learn to see mistakes and breakdowns as learning opportunities. Yeah, you're going to have to knock me out. This is it. Yeah. Like, you're going to have to I, knock is- me out before I'm like... I. I don't I don't know if it's good or bad, but sometimes um, I don't I don't quit very well. I don't know if that's a good thing, though. But but the reality is, is I don't think you can be in business and stay in business if that's if that's not your mentality. Uh, Henry Ford uh, went bankrupt before he founded the Ford Motor Company and Walt Disney was fired from his first job because he lacked imagination, had no good ideas and went bankrupt several times. So what I'm hearing is I need to go bankrupt. <laughs> I've been fired enough times. I was almost I'm trying to go that. bankrupt before too. <laughs> I've almost done that. That's not fun. Don't do that. Um, yeah, this um, I Part said earlier about taking action uh, should be number one. This actually this should be number one. Take action should be one B, and this should be number one. Uh, you have to be relentless. You have to because there's going to be times. That you're going to want to quit. I actually was was going to like quit. And you have to just wake up the next morning and just forget that you said it. And you just got to do it. Man, there's a lot of people that don't have this gene, though. There are a lot of people that do not have the don't quit gene. I mean, I see people who are um, in, in situations where a lot of things are going really well. And then you hit this little patch of ice 
and they just park the car, pull over and get out, you yeah. know? And, and to me, it's like, it's so foolish to think that we're going to have sunshine and rainbows and smooth sailings and clear conditions to drive in every single day. So there are going to be rainstorms and dust storms and darkness, yeah. especially when you're the, the driver of the business. When everything you feel like is on your shoulders, then yes, there will be those times that you'll have to go through it. The, the, the difference is whether you're willing to quit when it gets a little bit hard. And it's going to get hard. But there are some things you need to quit yeah. in order to serve you. Yeah. The difference is whether you know how to distinguish between what you should keep driving through and what you should pull over and wait or give the wheel to somebody else to drive. Because sometimes having a driver um, fill in for you gets you further faster while you, while you either recover or start to map out the the new course that you're you're going to go on in order to get to the final to whatever that destination is, but most people tap out and <clears throat> and and quit before they ever get far enough down the road to realize that um, that they actually just need to keep going a little bit further, a little bit longer, or they need to get somebody else to help guide them. The problem with um, being an entrepreneur is a lot like. Like, I need to go to the gym. You guys can tell on YouTube. <laughs> so Me too. I go to the gym and I go work out and I don't see anything. And I've been here for a month. Right. And so then you're just like, you know what? I, you know what? I actually went to the gym and I actually gained two pounds instead of losing. So then I quit. That's what being an entrepreneur is. You're doing something and you don't really know if it's working. <laughs> and you're just kind of like doggy paddling in the middle of the ocean. And then all of a sudden you are really close to the land. Um, it's it's it, you either need a you have to be you need a coach. That coach can kind of help guide you where you are. Uh, or you have to be like with me. I didn't have the resources to hire a high, a high uh, coach. So I have spreadsheets and I read a lot of books and I and I mark everything so then I can now see I'm making progress. If you're not if you're not doing either one of those two things, you just, you're like literally doggy paddling in the middle of the ocean. You just don't know where you're going. Yeah. Michael, we went to long term contracts and by long term, I mean, really actually short term, but long term for today's world. We went to um, three year contracts with um, with our agents because. The propensity of real estate agents to quit when the business wears on them and when they're burnout or when their mindset is not healthy like it should be mm -hmm. is way too high. And it is a terrible business model for me or for you or any other leader to invest into someone who's only going to be a part of your world for six months, for 12 months. And then when things get a little bit rocky or when seasonality shows up, which seems to happen every year in our yeah, industry, um, that they quit because they were ill prepared to save along the way or to think that life would be happy 12 months a year, 365 days. And so we went to the long term to a longer agreement because it sets the expectation up front that, hey, if we get into this relationship together, we're going to stay in this, which means we're going to work through this. Mm -hmm. If 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 you overspent your seasonal money, 
We're in it together. We're going to figure out a plan to overcome that. The plan will not be quitting. Mm -hmm. And so the goal is not to keep people into a bad situation. It's actually to help people prevent themselves from making bad decisions by by quitting. And so what we did was we went and we looked recently at, um, at those who chose to exit early um, prior to prior to making that change, and none of them are in a financial position better than they were when they left. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually serving that person to ensure that they're not causing self-destructive quitting right. and that we're not investing into a, into someone who will quit on their own goals and their own aspirations. And it's fascinating because, well, you know, I, before doing that, I looked at, like, is there, is there some, like, um, justification and models and research and data that says this is the best thing to do arranged marriages are a really fascinating example of that in that the they overall happiness of an arranged <laughs> marriage is actually higher you get what you get <laughs> yeah in fact one of the longest running studies is this um study by harvard um and it's on this concept of synthetic happiness or the hedonic treadmill and what we find is that when you believe there is no way out, you make peace and find joy knowing that there is no other option. And so whether you win the lottery or you become a quadriplegic, 12 months later, your happiness is the exact same. And so we looked at it and said, okay, I've got to be in business with people who understand that quitting is not the option. Mm-hmm. We will figure this out because you will be successful because I believe in your success and we're going to work through whatever that means to both of us. But quitting won't serve anyone here. And that's my job as a leader is like whatever. OK, whatever is making you quit, that's the symptom. So I, I as a leader, now I can come in and not only are you di- going to help with whatever's causing the symptom, I as a leader need to come in and I want to help fix what in whatever capacity I can as a leader help you with that. So that's where I tie my goal to your success. And if you're successful, I'm successful. So the the biggest thing for me is it's just tracking. It's just you have to be dogged. I'll start a book. I don't like this book. Damn it. I'm finishing this book. You just got to do it. I don't I'll pay for the book. I'm finishing the damn book. So that's just how you have to be when it comes to business. You you have to will things. Uh, and then people, the world, I don't know what movie I heard this from, will get out of your way. Yeah. One of my favorite, one of my favorite um, resources for this is there's a, um, in fact, you can find it on YouTube from a guy named Scott Galloway um, who who puts out some really great content, um, especially his, his short form content. Um, I mean, he's got like an hour long podcast. Sometimes an hour is too long for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that Scott has is, um, this video called the algebra of happiness. And, uh, and it's really good in the sense that it talks a lot about not quitting and how actually, um, you know, your late twenties to probably your early forties, is actually a state of unhappiness because um, things get harder before they get easier. You know, so your, your life has this um, inverted bell curve where oftentimes it's really easy 
until you graduate college and then it gets harder and it gets a little and the struggle becomes more real because you're likely in debt and you're trying to figure out how to maybe be in a relationship and then you're trying to be in a healthy relationship and then you're trying to find out whether you can be happy Mm -hmm. and then you're trying to find out whether you can find a career that you actually enjoy and that gives you meaning yeah (laughs) and so all of that means you have to build resiliency and not quit in which case it's gonna be a lot of days you're probably not all that enthused yeah and that's the actual um path of life yeah and therefore then the next phase makes it easier and more enjoyable until you just let go and realize that is the path of life find joy along the way so if you have a history of doing this that's okay of of like not following through and not finishing that's okay you need to work in a bureaucratic or more of a corporate situation um because if the love it's just really i don't know how you can be a successful entrepreneur and you don't have that not quit in you well, you're going to go out of business a lot, right? <laughs> you're going to be in survival mode for a long, long pain.